Hello, and welcome back to the Mindful Times podcast. My name is Demi Davidson, and you guys, I am so excited. Today, we have our first ever guest. Her name is Michelle Taylor, and she is actually my mother, and she's also a huge part of my own sobriety journey. She's my accountability partner, and she's just overall a badass woman that I'm super excited to introduce you guys to. And in this episode, we talk about her need for adrenaline, her spiritual connection with nature, how she got sober, and so much more. So let's get into it. So I'm super excited, you guys. This is my mom, and today we are just going to kind of talk a little bit about her story, and basically, we had both been struggling with alcohol and trying to get sober for a while, and most of you know for me, it was a lot of trying and failing before it finally stuck. But my mom was also trying to get sober at the same time, and we were just kind of helping each other out. I feel like our relationship has become so much better um, since we both got sober. Um, It's just been awesome, you know, since the beginning, um, kind of bouncing ideas off of each other and kind of helping each other along the journey. But you've been sober for how long now? Since June 3rd of 2018. A year and a half, a little over a year and a half. A year and a half, yeah. So you were quite a ways before me, but yeah, so I, you have such an interesting and pretty crazy story, so I really wanted to get you on here to kind of share that with us. Maybe just go into telling us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm originally from Salt Lake City, Utah, which you are there now. I now live in California, so naturally I am drawn to the mountains. I love to hike and bike. Um, Nature is a big part of who I am and what feeds me, especially now that I'm sober. Um, You've been doing like a ton of hiking lately. Well, I had a knee replacement, which slowed me down for a couple years, so I'm back on track. Um, Jay and I are actually getting ready for a big backpacking trip in the Sierras in September. So it'll give us something to look forward to. Um, that's been part of my journey too, is I've always been searching or seeking adrenaline, the big adrenaline rush. So it, it makes sense that drinking was a part of that whole scene. Yeah, exactly. I used to race mountain bikes. I rode motorcycles with my dad out in the Nevada desert. Um, I spent most of my child in Lake Powell in Utah. So adventure and nature were always in the mix. Um, Always looking for the bigger, better rush. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So when do you feel like you first started to notice that you maybe had a problem or an unhealthy relationship with alcohol? Well, I started drinking really early. Um, Being in Utah, uh, we were raised strict, high moral standards, and I wanted to explore. And we could actually drive to Wyoming when we were 18. And so we started doing that because we could get alcohol and just, you know, became the cool kids club back in the day. Yeah. And um, 
it just began from there. It began with being social and fun and having drinks with friends and good times. And then it led to good meals. And then after a big hike or a big bike ride, it was always finish it off with a beer. Um, and then it was a progression, you know, after the beer, it became wine. And after a bottle of wine, it's, it was a few pounds later. And as I got older, I gained a bunch of weight. And so then at, at that point, I decided that vodka would be better because it had less calories. And you know how it, that goes from there. Yeah. Um, and it's funny how we can justify anything. Oh, for sure. So that's where my, that's when I realized, you know, it wasn't just all a good time and my blackouts became more frequent and my pain and anger were showing up. I started hurting the people that I love. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew that it wasn't good. In fact, I just went to lunch with my husband and they were serving unlimited mimosas and bottomless mimosas. And he looked at me and he said, I don't miss those days at all. And it's like, Oh my gosh, he just put up with so much craziness. It's like, like a ticking time mom, like, right. especially, you know, being out with friends and stuff and the bottomless mimosas and endless amount of drinks, like you almost just know that it's going to end up bad. It's just a matter of when is it going to happen? You know, oh, and when it starts at 11 o'clock in the morning, then it just continues all day. And then by nine o'clock at night, you're deep in and that's when the trouble starts. Yep. So... Once you decided that you or realized that you had an issue and wanted to, did you decide to just quit right away or did you try different things? Well, let me, let me back up a little bit. I did drink every single day. Okay. And in my mind, I didn't think that I had a serious problem because I was still doing amazing things. I would go hike up to 14,000 feet. I would teach mountain bike classes. I would do all these things super hungover. And in my mind, I can't be that bad if I can still do all those things. But um, the more, the more, every year, the more weight creeped on and I was feeding the hangover with, you know, greasy burgers or whatever would make me feel better. Yeah. And I, I definitely, um, have always been fit, always been doing extreme stuff. And so it, the weight and the bloated and the being miserable just didn't match. It didn't match my, per, per, what I was doing. Exactly. Um, it's so, it's so funny. I'm, I'm interviewing you as my mom. So obviously I already know a lot of this, but for people who don't know you, it's just funny hearing this because we are so much alike. And when I talk about this, like part of my life, when I was drinking so heavy, it was the same exact thing. I would wake up, I'd wake up every morning, you know, at five or six in the morning hungover, but I would still get myself up and go to the gym every day. And I would right. eat super healthy. It's almost like I knew what I was doing was bad, but to justify it, I would make up in other areas. And so as long as I kept going to the gym and as long as I kept like eating healthy, I felt okay with my drinking. Like I felt like I still had my life together. Right. Exactly. Um, I think a turning point, well, I do know the turning point for me is 2016 
I definitely paid the price for all my adrenaline seeking. I had a complete shoulder replacement and a complete knee replacement. And that year, it was the combination of alcohol and opioids that Uh led to the perfect storm. I mean, I was a swollen, addicted mess. Yeah. Still trying to do the hard things. And um, that's when I just decided that being fit and fat isn't what I wanted to represent. So were you able Mm -hmm. to quit just cold turkey? Did it take you many different times of trying to get sober? Well, (laughs) it's funny. I went hiking with my girlfriend who said, who drink, who is my drinking partner. And she said, you know, I'm going to quit drinking for 30 days. And I said, there's no way. I don't, I don't know how you can do that. Like I'm still out here hiking. Why can't you just calm yourself down and just have a few drinks at night and we can keep hiking. Mm-hmm. Why do you have to go to AA? Why? I was just, I just didn't want to face my reality is what it was. Oh my gosh. And it's funny how that works. Oh, it was horrible. And I just, I was like, I'll support you. And then I was really honestly thinking, how can I be her friend? I can't hang around with somebody that's sober. That's yep. going to be too hard. Um, but I decided more than anything that being heavy, um, I wanted to get the weight off and I wanted to get healthy more than anything. And so I, I knew that alcohol was going to uh, play a big part in this. So I was ready to do it temporarily. Like I thought, oh, I could just do it just to get the ball rolling, maybe get 20 pounds off. And then, um, you know, I can have a drink or so here and there again. It just wasn't, it wasn't forever for me. Right. And I just knew that alcohol was playing a big part in this, that I had to let it go. There was no way I could do this without it. So um, someone told me about Annie Grace's book, This Naked Mind, and she has a 30-day alcohol experiment. So I watched a couple of her videos reluctantly, and she definitely was talking about how this is just an experiment. It's not for sure. You can still moderate or you can still drink after this. You know, it wasn't a full on commitment. And I was really good with that. Yeah. So I thought I can do 30 days. So I signed up and every morning she sends you a video. She tells you what your body's going through. She tells you what your, the alcohol is doing to your brain and still with the option to moderate or drink. And that was just it. It had to be just an experiment for me because in my mind, there was no way in hell I was going to let go of this lifestyle. <laughs> um, yep. And that's pretty much when you, um, you Demi mm-hmm. was, you know, who, who also was a motivating factor. I, I knew that I had to do, I had to start in order to help you. I had to do this with you. And so I think we started that process together Yep. But um, you didn't have the support that you had in your, you know, in your situation like I did. Right. So it was much harder for you. Yeah. That kept me more on course. And then the clearer my head, head got, the more I realized how much I, how much more I needed to help you. Yep. Um, I remember you calling me. I was on vacation in Grass Valley and you were in so much turmoil. And I was talking you off the cliff with a drink in my hand. Yeah. How, how is that possible? Yep, exactly. Um, 
So anyway, after the 30 days, I started feeling better and clearer, but I was super tired. I, I was taking a nap every single day. I just, my body was really, really, really healing from what I understood from the videos. You're just, just really taking this time to heal. And as I got closer to my 30 days, it's like, well, so what do I do? Go and celebrate? I mean, yeah, exactly. you know, what do I do? So I decided that I was just starting to feel better. So I think it was January or no, June, July, dry. It was dry July. So I thought I'll do dry July. I'll sign up for another 30 days. Um, and I think you were kind of on board. You were, you were, had some time behind you. And so, and my girlfriend, Lacey, I had to, was still, she was still struggling. So I was just like, I need to do another 30 days for these two. <laughs> That's really how I was justifying it. That's great. Um, day 57, that was the magic number for me. That's the day I woke up. I wasn't tired. I felt great. I actually had, was down like 45, 50 pounds and super happy. And pretty much that was it. I was done. I knew in my brain I was done. I was never going back. That's awesome. So, yeah, it was, but I feel like, I feel like for me, it was more the health and getting the weight off and like, I didn't want to compromise feeling that good for a drop of alcohol anymore. It just wasn't worth it to me. Yeah. It, out, like it outweighed that. Yep. I've heard you say that a lot and that is seriously makes so much sense is the benefits that you get from being sober just far outweigh you know, the temporary, whatever you get from alcohol. Right. Right. Um, since then though, you know, people think, Oh great. You've conquered alcohol and you know, you're feeling great and you're physical and you're out doing all those things, but emotionally is where I'm struggling now. So it's been, you know, 18 plus months, somewhere around there. And now the emotion, all the pain of the past, Yep. I had a divorce. I had a love that committed suicide. There was abuse. There was a tr there was trauma, and all the pain of that. And my divorce, you know, with my family leaving my kids, the pain and all the guilt and all that has shown up now. And those are the things that have been difficult for me at this point. Right. Um, I, so, I I wrote in a blog posts, I think just the most recent one that made me think of that is for me, it got to a point where like the physical act of abstaining from alcohol was no longer hard for me anymore. Like once the cravings go away and you don't really, you're not obsessing about it anymore. That's when the emotional stuff started kicking in. So it's like everything happens for different people at different times but there's definitely like phases and I feel like sometimes once you get past like the cravings and stuff sometimes that's when the now you have to start dealing with the emotional stuff and the emotional reasons for why it is that you used to drink and for me forgiveness is the probably the biggest word for me I mean forgiveness for myself and also those who have taught me my hardest lessons and have been a big part of this journey Right. Um, there, there's been a lot of that going on. And um, I, I love that I'm open to heal my past and the pains mm -hmm. and to figure out the reasons that I was drinking. 
but it's a constant learning and you've got to really have an open heart. And I do have more compassion for other people too in this journey. Um, It's interesting because I've been so nervous about sharing my story or my journey on social media. You know, it's that old self that needs approval. Yeah. I'm very familiar with that person. Mm -hmm. And until I realized that it really is making a difference in everyone's lives, like, or pe- uh, people's lives, I post something and then I have someone reach out and I know that you're going through the same thing. It's so insane how yeah. many people are suffering. In fact, I just ran into a girlfriend at Target who ran up to me and hugged me and started crying. <laughs> and she was so grateful and so appreciative for a post that I posted that changed her life. And as we hugged, we walked away and she, she yells at me from the parking lot. She's like, I'm still so emotional. I love you. And it was just, it was awesome. It's amazing. It's so incredible. And I just don't, I just, that's what it's about. It's helping people break the emotional change of their past, our past, helping each other with no judgment, only love. I mean, how many times have we started and stopped? And Exactly. We just need to love each other and get through this. And I honestly, I feel like it's more common than not that people struggle with alcohol, even if even if they are, you know, a moderate drinker for the most part. I feel like people still just struggle with it. And I think that a lot of people are ashamed or embarrassed to even talk about it, you know? And so I feel like by us putting our story out there, it really allows for people to open up and reach out for help. Yeah, and being being someone that drank a lot and a lot of social, you know, mine was very social. I've had several people say to me, um, if you can do it, Michelle, so can I. And I'm yeah. Like, wow, I don't know how to take that. <laughs> like a backhanded compliment, but at this point, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It feels great. It feels super great. So what would you say have been some of the biggest obstacles or things that have been the hardest or, you know, some of your triggers, I guess? Triggers for me are airplanes. I remember flying. Actually, when you got married, I was on the airplane and I was thinking to myself, no one is on here that knows me. I could easily have a drink. I love drinking on the airplane. Yeah. Except that Demi's picking me up. She would know. (laughs) It's so funny. That reminds me kind of um, of Annie Grace's story. Just how how she used to drink a lot in business and she was always flying. And I I haven't been to the airport. I haven't (laughs) been to the airport much since being sober, but that would definitely be one for me just because when I used to travel before, it was like I used to drink every time. I'm on vacation. Yeah, exactly. It, It was, yeah. And it's just so available. You can get drinks at the airport any time of day, and then also on the airplanes. Right. We do a lot of group rides with a group of us that used to always ride to breakfast and get mimosas and then hit bar hop on the way home. And so 
that's a trigger for me also. It's like, oh, I just want to stop and grab a beer while we're out riding. That's yeah. trigger. Um, my girlfriend and I did an open house one day and, and we left there and normally it'd be like, let's just go grab a, bo- a, a bottle, a glass of wine, yeah. which then turns into a bottle yeah, exactly. uh, on our way home. And it's like, no, I guess we're just going to go home. Let's go play some bocce ball and drink some LaCroix. I mean, it's just, life is different. It's so much different. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people don't realize is it's the FOMO thing, you know, like when we talk yeah. about getting sober after drinking for so many years, like people just can't fathom what that would be like because their life revolves around it so much. But the thing is, is like your life doesn't just come to an end when you get sober, you just adapt and you just start finding new things that are fun and hanging out yeah. with new people that are actually entertaining and fun to be around when they're not drunk. It's so funny. Um, I recently summited, uh, I don't know, it was 11,000 foot peak. And there was a girl on top who was, wanted me to take her picture with the, there's always a sign and, uh, you know, a, whatever peak it is, there's sign. And you take your photo with the sign and she had her beer with her. And I was just, I really was thinking, wow, it'd be really cool to have a beer up here with her. It's just, it's those things that trigger me. The fun it- stuff. Like for me, it was just always fun. Don't you feel like that's just more of a habit though? Because when I think of it, I have the same exact thing. There are so many times where it's like a habit to where I start to think, oh, it would be really nice if I could just have a drink right now. But then think about climbing back down that mountain (coughs) after having a beer or two and how actually crappy you feel. Exactly. Like it's almost not, it's not even worth it. But for some reason in our head, we justify it because of the habits. It's funny because I, um, I've definitely moved into more of, of a spiritual path since, since all this. Um, Like I, I, you've said to me spiritually, like, where are you at? You know, I know that, that nature feeds me spiritually. Um, I'm definitely closest to God or whatever infinite wisdom or whatever is out there in the wild. That's where I really come. I I can come to a place of gratitude when I'm out there. I can say thank you for the trees or all the things in my life that are great. And I'm also in gratitude for the future that I get to create now. I mean, waking up clear and not having a hangover is the best thing ever. I love getting up early. In fact, I've started, I've been following, um, I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Joe Dispenza. Yeah, that's something I actually wanted you to touch on a little bit more just because I think a lot of people in the sobriety community could really benefit from kind of hearing some of the stuff he has to say. And obviously it's not going to be for everybody, but I just... I think that it's interesting because you did not go the AA route, which, you know, is like heavily based around the higher power, which we know shuts a lot of people down and turns a lot of people away and discourages them just by using those terms. So I like how you talk about your higher power more so being uh, nature. But Dr. Joe Dispenza, like you and I have been sharing his stuff back and forth for a while and 
really getting more in tune with our spirituality and the meditation side of it. And I know that you've been having a lot of like aha moments with his meditations. And so I'd actually, I'd like for you to talk a little bit about it if you don't mind, if it doesn't relate totally to sobriety, that's okay too. But I just, I think that they do end up going hand in hand. Well, it does, it's not necessarily just with sobriety, but when you're dealing with your past pains, obviously we drink heavily to cover up emotions or traumas or things that have happened in our lives. On, I mean, it just always shows up. Exactly. For me, I thought it was just fun, but you know, when now that I've gotten into the work and into really, you know, deep thought about all this stuff, I, I really had some trauma that I have just not dealt with. I've shoved under the rug. I hid behind the alcohol. And so I read his book. um, Oh, I just went blank. Breaking the habit of being yourself. Yes, that is it. Yes. And basically, you know, it's like, wait, I want to be by myself. I don't want to be a new person. You know, my, (laughs) my brain. So I'm very, I'm very analytical in one part, but I'm very trusting in another part of myself. So I love this stuff, but I still go, this is a bunch of crap. I don't believe this is happening. So I I battle that in my head. But what has happened is his book made so much sense to me. And I have always tried to meditate. I had a boyfriend that tried to meditate and he'd be like, just listen to the quiet. And it's like, there's too much shit in my head. I can't, nothing's quiet. I don't know what you're talking about. I can't do this. (laughs) And I've tried guided meditations, and it's just like, none of this works. I can't do it. I'm too ADD. I'm hyper. I think about all this shit I got to do in the day, and I just can't do it. Um, With Joe's guided meditations, he actually, like he says, guides you through it. He wants you present. So you can't fall asleep. So I actually have to really think about what he's saying. It's so much easier for me for some reason. And I work, I work a nine to five job, but I go in from five to two. And the only quiet time in my household would be before I go to work. So fortunately, unfortunately, however you want to look at 3am is the magic number for me. And I thought, how am I going to do this? There's no way. I heard that's a really good time for spiritual work. Well, I just, yes, I just saw another video from Aaron Doherty saying that it's, it's when the earth, everybody's quiet, everybody's sleeping, all the energy is, is quiet. Yeah. And that makes so much sense to me. It gives you, you know, and I used to get up at 3am to take Advil because my head was pounding. So (laughs) why not get up and, and have some still time and it's, I have not missed. I've not been tired. I haven't missed my sleep. It's, I look forward to this hour every single day. I can't even tell you. And the things that are happening are so insane to me. I do feel like a new person, like it's changing my personality. You let you, you take those past traumas and you change them as life is today and create a new future you. And he walks you through the process and then he gives you instructions when your when your old brain goes, blah, 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 blah. This is my story. You say change and you go back to this future self 
and it just keeps that momentum forward. Does that make sense? I don't know if that makes it sense. It does. It does. Um, yes. And it just, for me, it's, I'm just creating a new future for myself. And, um, I, I decided, I know that he has healed people with illness and because my body is so broken down and I'm doing these big hikes, I did a couple meditations this week on releasing the pain, the inflammation, all these things in my body, um, that make it harder for me to hike up to these mountains. Mm -hmm. And we went on a big one yesterday in a lot of snow. We kept falling into our crotches. Yeah. Really deep snow. And it was a really hard hike. And <clears throat> normally, if my heart rate gets up to 160, I have to slow down because it's too hard for me. And it could be every 25 steps. Yesterday, I, I had a new body. My heart rate never got over 150. I felt great. I had energy. I could not believe it. It was so crazy. My girlfriend was like, who are you? <laughs> that is so cool. I mean, I have noticed a huge difference in you in just the past couple weeks to a month that you've really been focusing on these meditations. I've been doing it every single day. I cannot miss a day. It, I'm very addicted. I have very addictive personality and this is my new addiction. And I just, but honestly, I just look forward to feeling so great and so at peace Right after I am done and my day just goes by so much easier and my I just noticed my relationships my husband's better yeah um, I had my very best girlfriend her and I were talking and she said that she can see a shift and so you know I, I take all this as signs and he tells you to ask for signs and they're happening to me yeah and so I'm just going to continue with this because it's it's the cheapest therapy I've ever done <laughs> it's just been awesome I just feel like I have my own personal therapist and it's myself figuring this out. And it's been a really painless um, process. It's been awesome. I like that you mentioned the addictive personality because I think that a lot of us that <laughs> have, you know, issues with alcohol do kind of have that addictive personality. And then once you take the alcohol away, we're left with a lot of time. We don't know what to do with it. Exactly. So, so for it, me, it's nature. Yeah. And, uh, and those are those are not and not bad things. No. And I've actually gotten really um, addictive about food. Um, that's also been a big part of feeling better. I just I've cut out sugar. I actually cut out alcohol and sugar on the same day, which is a little insane, but so that's, that's how I roll. Uh, you don't have to get too much into it, but I just wanted you to touch on that real quick because I know that a big part of your journey was weight loss and getting healthier. And so you quit alcohol and then quit sugar altogether at the same time. So what kind of differences did you notice in your body? Like, how'd you do it? I know you uh, do keto, so maybe you want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I just basically cut out the carbs and the sugar, just all the crap. I, I eat real food and um, just really started researching what sugar does. And I just didn't, I just didn't want to, I know that, you know, I had tried drink, quit drinking years and years and years ago. 
and I was just craving licorice and sugar and, you know, and I thought I just can't start another thing if I do the alcohol as well. So I think in my mind, I was just like, I'm doing it all. I'm getting this all out of my body. Well, they would kind of counteract each other. If you think about it, if you, cause I see that happen a lot to people actually. Mm -hmm, I do too. They quit drinking, but then their (laughs) sugar intake just goes up like crazy. And they're wondering why they're not losing weight. And it's because they've replaced alcohol with now sugar. And so it's just kind of the cycle. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, it's, it's just, I can't tell you about how good I feel. I actually went to the doctor. I had a full blood panel panel done and my numbers couldn't be more healthy for, I'm 55 years old and the doctor's never seen anyone so healthy for my age. It's just been life changing. And I've had people say, I've had people say, you know, oh, this is just a fad. This is behind my back stuff that I've heard. Um, yeah. You know, how long is this going to last? Oh, she's hanging by her fingernails, which that cracks me up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just waiting for her to blow it. It's like, this is my choice. It's my lifestyle. It's my change. And I feel amazing. And I wouldn't change it for any drop of alcohol or sugar, for that matter. There I mean, are a ton of haters especially when you get sober I mean not even just getting sober but say you get healthy and you change your diet around and you get in shape like there's always haters but you have to realize that those comments is coming from their own pain exactly exactly people don't like seeing somebody quit alcohol if they have a problem with alcohol themselves you know and I understand that I said that with my girlfriend it's like I I can't hang out with her because it it forces us to take a look at our own habits exactly the thing that I say to me during the day quite frequently when things like that show up is am I focusing on things that are loving to me yeah. Like you have to make it be about you. I, I, that's been a real hard one too. Is, you know, I've always felt selfish, but it's time for me to be loving to me. I've been loving. I can carry a bucket for everybody else in the world, but mm-hmm. I never have for me. And this is my time. This is my time to heal. This is my time to forgive. And so, you know, anything that shows up, it's like, is this being loving to me? And I think that's helped me a lot because if it's not, be done with it not my circus not my monkey well if you think about that concept with alcohol alcohol consuming alcohol is not a loving act to ourselves not at all and I think that when we poison our body like that for so long we're no longer loving ourselves and loving our body and that like transpires into other areas of our lives where it just lowers your self-esteem and your self-respect and it all kind of intertwines together. Yep. Yep, definitely. Cool. So Annie Grace, Dr. Joe Dispenza, are there any other like books or podcasts specifically for sobriety that you have found helpful? I loved Craig Beck's book, Alcohol Lied to Me. Oh, I love that one too. I almost feel uh, like his... His information was, in the way he 
delivered his message was similar to Annie Grace, do you think? Exactly. No, exactly. I think it's just the male version of Annie Grace. It's so funny when when I have um, men reach out to me asking questions, you know, about sobriety. I do, too. I'll (laughs) recommend Annie Grace still, but I always throw in Craig Beck just because they they're very similar in their approach, but he's just it's um, it's the man version, the male version. Exactly. But yeah, I I love him too. Yeah. I listen to um Annie's podcasts and you know, I have to be braggadocious, Demi. You are rocking your podcast, your Mindful Times podcast. Well, uh, thank you. Your Mindful Times Facebook group is just huge inspiration. It's funny cuz Someone was messaging me and I said something about being your mom and they were like, what? You're her mother. <laughs> and everybody's so proud of you, including Aww. me. And it's just awesome. And I just love seeing it grow. And so I'm on there probably more than anything because I just love to hear people's journeys and, you know, new people are coming on that are struggling. And they, I, I saw one lady just said, I feel more support here than I have in any other group. Yeah, so it's just a tight-knit group. Um, So those are pretty much all my Bibles of inspiration. Um, I'm on, you know, I listen to YouTube videos all day and podcasts all day. And just keep my mind full of all this positive, good information. That's the thing that I think is super important for people when they're getting sober. Because I feel like we get to a point where... We maybe feel like we're past it. We're no longer craving alcohol. We feel like we're good. But then randomly those cravings will sneak in. So I always tell people like you always have to be active, whether it's listening to podcasts or books or anything like you have to be consuming that stuff every day. I absolutely agree. You never know you go through life and someone will say something or do something and you get triggered. Yeah. And (laughs) <laughs> then it's over. Then it's like right now is when I would be do- having a drink. Yep. It's and just having the tools in the toolbox, being prepared. Exactly. And that has happened to me recently as I've been going through this journey. So it's very much alive. And, you yep. know, it's just keeping it at bay and having people like you to talk to and bounce things off of yeah. is really great. Okay. So... We're getting close to the end here, but I have a question for you. Okay. If you could describe sobriety in three words, what would they be? Just three? Yes. I have a I have an awesome story that you remember. You I was texting you one day and I said, I really would like to have necklaces made with a word that would describe what sobriety feels like. Oh, and, and both responded at the same exact time. Exact same time. I wrote, my word is free. And your text came in and said free. And we yeah. just, we just couldn't believe it. So we got next say made. free freedom. We had necklaces made. I wear mine every single day. My necklace says free on it. And that's how I feel. I mean, my gosh, it was like the first time I didn't have to call an Uber to go to a restaurant was so free. My gosh, it's so nice, right? <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't purchased a Uber in, in the whole this whole time. It's been awesome. 
Yeah, I think um, free freedom is huge, huge in sobriety. Yep. Um, self-worth worthy would probably be my, my next one. I want to be worthy of an amazing life with my husband and children. Yeah, I love that. And um, present, present and loving to myself is another. Those are more words, but I love it. Okay, <sighs> my last question for you: Is there anything else you feel that people need to know about addiction and recovery? Um. I would say everyone's journey is different. Absolutely. And, you know, in our little support group, there's just, there's no judgment. There's only love. And if you mess up, you, you pick up the next day and you start over and look forward. Yeah. So many times we have started and stopped and started and stopped. And one day it clicks. You just get so fed up and it's like, just never give up. Never, yeah. never give up. Um, can I just say thanks for a few people? Yeah. <laughs> I really want to give a big shout out to my husband, Jay, for putting up with all my craziness. Because it's been a crazy few years for him. Oh, yes. Um, what an awesome support he has been. And you, Demi, honestly, from the bottom of my heart. I am so, I'm so proud of you. Oh. I love how many people's lives you are changing and making such a difference. This makes all of this so worth it. It's yep. just amazing. And I love that I can talk to you about it and we're getting through this and just making a difference in people's lives. It's so inspiring and it just feels so great. Well, that's I the love beauty you. Of it. Thank I you. love you so much. <laughs> I love you so much. And you're right. Like there it it can be such a long road and journey and struggle. And there's no reason for people to feel like they have to go through it alone. And exactly. I know that in my own journey, there were times where I felt very alone and I felt like nobody understood what I was going through. And that's absolutely not true. Yeah. And so I think with the little community that we've created, it just proves that there are so many people out there that are going through the same thing. And you're not alone. There are a lot of us that are there for support and ready to do this together. I love that anyway, everyone has their different story. You know, mine's about adventure, adrenaline, and fun and craziness and then other people have heavy dark AA it doesn't matter you know it's just yeah. so I, just, I love hearing all the different aspects yeah all right well thank you get me all emotional <laughs> right <laughs> happy Sunday oh, I love it thank you so much for sharing your story and I'm sure that we will have you on here again of course. Next time I'll have my makeup on and we can video. Okay. I love, I love you. you. Bye. Bye.